the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Today I'm wrapping up this idea of the development of grit in our lives, the development of perseverance. How do we develop perseverance? How do we get grit on the inside? Here's the first thing this weekend. If you're going to be a gritty, persevering person, you have to practice what we know to be deferred gratification, or I'm going to give you another simpler word for this. You have to practice patience in your life. I think most of us would recognize the fact that perseverance, that is hanging out for the long term, staying with the process and enduring, obviously requires patience. And patience is one of the toughest qualities for any of us to ever develop in our lives. And when you look at our culture today, uh, this whole idea of patience or deferred gratification is in very short supply. We're the most impatient culture that perhaps has ever existed in all of history. And we're impatient because, primarily because of technology. We expect to have everything that we want when we want it. If I can simply push a button, it needs to sort of come out of the machine for me right now. I need it now. I can't wait for it. I must have it now. Now is the watchword of today's culture. We want everything in the moment. Waiting is not what we want. And waiting is hard when you have to wait for something that you want, whether it's a particular item that you want or a relationship that you're looking for or a job you're desiring or waiting for, for God to answer a particular prayer in your life, waiting is a very difficult thing for us to do. It is one of the hardest things that we can ever do, but it's also one of the greatest things you'll ever learn to do because waiting builds that thing called patience or deferred gratification, which makes you a more resilient person on the inside. Back in the 1970s, educators and social scientists decided to try to study in a unique way this idea of deferred gratification and its impact upon students and their future. That is, if a student had high levels of deferred gratification, would they be more successful in their academic careers and in their professional careers? And so they created something called, perhaps you've heard of it if you've been an educator, you perhaps have heard of a psychologist, you've heard of what's called the marshmallow test. Anyone ever heard of the marshmallow test before? A couple of you have heard of the marshmallow. I'm not talking about eating the bag of marshmallows. I'm talking about an actual psychological test that they did. And here's how the test went. The marshmallow test is, it was a very simple test. They decided to get a bunch of little kids, and so they would bring them into a room one by one or two by two, and they would sit them down at a table and put a plate in front of them with one marshmallow on the plate. And the instructions from the teacher is simple. Hey, 
You can eat the marshmallow right now if you'd like to, but I'm going to go out of the room, and if you will wait till I come back, I'm going to give you another marshmallow, and instead of just having one, you'll have two marshmallows. And so you get to choose. You can eat the one marshmallow now, or you can wait, and you'll get two marshmallows. And they were testing their capacity to defer their gratification, and then they wanted to extend that study out when they were in junior high and high school and perhaps even into college to see if there was any correlation between deferred gratification and success in life. And they did find some correlations. It was not the only correlation, but they did find some correlations between those kids who were able to defer gratification and those who succeeded uh, in academics and succeeded in their professions. Take a look at this verse of Scripture, interesting verse of Scripture to find in the Gospels. Gospel of Luke. Luke 21, verse 19. By your endurance, the the Greek word that's used there is the same word for patience. You'll see in just a moment another translation of this. But by your endurance, what will you do? You will, say this word with me, you will, you'll gain. Okay, there's a gain to endurance. There's a gain to patience. You will endure, you you will gain your lives. This amplified version says, by your patient endurance, empowered obviously by the Holy Spirit who gives us that power as Christians, you will gain your souls. What I want you to see today is that in your life, my life, and the lives of our children is extremely important to realize that patience or deferring gratification really does help you gain some strength in your soul that you will have no other way. And if you're a parent today and you you give kids everything they want when they want it, what you're doing is you're actually setting them up for some failure in their life. You're setting them up for some major disappointments. Paul learned this in his own spiritual journey. He learned the value of deferring gratification, being satisfied with what he had in the moment, not being frustrated about what he didn't have when he couldn't have it. Take a look at his description. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Very important statement. I've learned the secret of being content. Not having everything I want in the moment when I want it, okay? I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now we come to a part of the passage that most of us know. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Have you heard that verse before? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, guess what? Paul was not just talking about any and everything. Indeed, I believe this verse does apply to various realms of life. But he was specifically talking about, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What is the all things there? I can be content. I've learned that Jesus can help me be content. In whatever circumstance I'm in, that even though I don't have everything I want when I want it, it's okay because I am learning the value of deferring the gratification. I can trust God in each moment, whether well-fed or hungry. As a parent today, not only is it important for you to learn to say no to yourself at times, and put some restrictions on your own gratifications and to be able to wait for things that you want. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. If it's not right for you in the moment, don't do it. 
A lot of times we get ourselves in trouble because of the impatience that drives our lives. We make a lot of bad decisions based upon impatience. So as an adult, as a parent today, make the decision to first of all apply this in our own lives, but also make sure that you're helping your children understand that sometimes the best thing they can do for something for their future is to learn to wait for it. Wait for it. Because if children don't learn, if young adults don't learn how to wait, I'm going to write a word on the board, and you're going to say it's an old school word, and that's okay. I'm a little old school. Okay? I'm going to write an old school word on the board, but you've got to get this word, because if you don't do this for your children, here's what you will do to your children. You will you'll spoil them. Have you ever met a spoiled brat before? You know what a spoiled brat is? They want what they want when they want it. And they're going to throw a temper tantrum if they don't get it. And so if you let that kind of behavior become a part of their life and you are always catering to that, then what will happen is that they will never know how to deal with things in life that are delayed. They will never learn to develop their soul. See, in patience, you gain your soul. In patient, you, in patient endurance, you build something on the inside that cannot be built any other way. So wait is not a bad word. Wait is a very good word for us. And sometimes it's a great word for us to use with our children as parents. Here's the second thing that is necessary to grow, grow grit that we're talking about today, to be a persevering person. You've got to get up when you fall down. People with perseverance, they, they know how to get up when they fall. Because life is filled with failure. There are relatively few people that will go through life without some kind of failure along the way. Might be a business failure, financial failure, marriage failure. Could be a variety of things that represent a failure. But most people will go through life at some level, experience some degree of failure. If you've not experienced failure in your life at some level, chances are there's a great chance that you'll become arrogant and proud and harsh and judgmental toward others. Failure has the ability to humble you. It brings you down to the basic level of humanity that we all live on. But also, if you don't know how to deal with your failure, what failure will do is it will keep you down. It will create shame inside of you and guilt inside of you, and and it will dishearten you. It will defeat you, and you will live a defeated life. You will stay down rather than getting back up again. Yes, gritty people, persevering people, they know what it is to fail, but they also know how to get up when they fail. Many of the great men and women of, of history are men and women who failed at particular times in their journey towards success. One of the heroes that all of us would acknowledge as a hero here in the United States of America is a man by the name of Abraham Lincoln. I, I'm, I appreciate what Abraham Lincoln did for our nation. He carried our nation through one of the most critical times in our history, the Civil War. He gave the Emancipation Proclamation. You can go and and read about Abraham Lincoln, some of his speeches down on the mall at the Lincoln Memorial. An amazing man who led our nation with great strength and with great integrity. But did you know that Abraham Lincoln, before he became president of the United States, had failure after failure after failure in his life? Did you know that? He failed a lot of, a lot of elections. He, he, was, he, was, he lost so many elections before he was ever elected uh, president that, that, that was incredible to think he would ever even try to run for president. 
He lost, he, he failed in business multiple times. In fact, he went in the military one time, and by reason of his status, he went into the military as a captain, as a, as a, as a captain in the military, and he was so bad of a soldier that by the time he came out of the military, he had been demoted to a private. Think about that. Now, that's not the way you want to go, okay? You want to go private to captain, not captain to private. But there was something about Abraham Lincoln. What was it about Abraham Lincoln? He knew that every time he went down, what was he doing? He was going to come back up. That you couldn't keep him down. That he was going to learn some lessons from his failure. And he was not going to stay down. He was going to come back up. When we go to the scriptures, we say, well, let's take a look at some examples in the Bible. What do we learn about this from scripture? Well, obviously, one of the greatest lessons is found in a man by the name of Peter. Peter was a man who failed miserably. The night that Jesus was going to be betrayed, the next day crucified, Jesus himself looked at Peter and said, Peter, I want to let you know Satan's after you. He's trying to sift you like weed, and you need to be careful, Peter, because if not, you're going to deny me. Peter said, oh, Lord, I'll never deny you, never, ever deny you, Jesus. Peter said, oh, yes, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, no, not going to do it. Never will happen to me. But they end up in that garden area where Jesus has been arrested, and a little damsel comes along and tries to, uh, uh, to, to present uh, Peter as being one of Jesus' disciples. And three times Peter said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. I'm not one of his. I don't belong to him. Don't even know him. And then the rooster crowed, and the Bible says at that moment, Jesus looked over at Peter, and Peter's eyes and Jesus' eyes caught. And Peter saw Jesus, and remember the words that Jesus had warned him about, and he runs out of the garden weeping. When Jesus rises from the grave, he's finally crucified. He rises from the grave, and he sends the ladies to Galilee. He says, go up to Galilee. Tell all the disciples that I'm risen from the grave. Make sure you tell Peter. Why? Because Peter was struggling with the fact that he'd failed. He'd, he'd really missed the mark in his life. But there was this moment that... Peter couldn't get over, and so it still is bothering him. It's still something he's struggling with. And you see this in the Gospel of John, that by the time you get to John, John chapter 21, Peter is at such a low point in his life, he says to some of the other disciples, read it for yourself, John chapter 21, he says, I'm going fishing. Now, what had Jesus called Peter away from? Fishing. He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So leave your nets behind. And Peter and Andrew and James and John and those four had left their boats and left their nets and left the fishing industry to follow Jesus. But now Peter says, I'm just going back to fishing again. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to do this thing called fishing for men anymore. I, I think it's over with for me. But as, as Peter was out there fishing, they caught absolutely nothing. Jesus shows up, the resurrected Jesus shows up on the seashore that day. And he yells out to them out in the boat. And he says, guys, have you caught anything? They said, no, we've caught nothing. And he says, throw, throw your nets to the other side. And they did, and they caught 153 fish. And there in that moment, Peter realized who it was on the seashore. 
It was the resurrected Jesus. The Bible says that he put on his cloak and he jumped into the water and he swam to the seashore. And there in that moment, there's an encounter that you need to be aware of that Jesus has with Peter. One of the most precious encounters you'll ever read about in the Bible. Take a look with me, if you will, in John chapter 21. When they had finished eating, so Jesus sits down, they have a breakfast together. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, more than these fish? He wasn't comparing him with other disciples. He was asking him, where's your love? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs, not go fishing, but feed my lambs. Okay. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do, do you love me? Do you really love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Don't go fishing. No, I want you to take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do do you love me? Notice this, the third time. He said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter, do you, do you really love me? And there's, by the way, a, a whole Greek word study in this that we could talk about in terms of the different Greek words that Jesus used in reference to asking about this love relationship. Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I don't have time to go into all the beautiful aspects of this amazing story, but what I want you to see is that in that moment, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because Peter had said three three times, I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know you. And there in that moment, you see the beautiful fact that God was helping a man who had fallen down get back up again. Dear ones, I want to tell somebody here today, your failure is not your final moment. It's only your final moment if you stay down, okay? It's only your final moment if you give up when you're down on the mat. But there in that moment, Jesus helped Peter get back up again. And of course, we see something very interesting because we get to chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Acts after Jesus, after Jesus has resurrected and risen back, uh, ascended back to the right hand of God the Father. And Peter and all the other disciples are in the upper room in Jerusalem. And they need a leader at that point in time. Take a look at what happens here. Then who stood up? The man who fell down. Now what is he doing? He stood up. With the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews. We don't need to read the rest. The key point there for us today is that the man who went down, he stood up again. He was also the one that preached the Pentecost message. He stood up and preached the Pentecost message. What I want to say to you today is one of the most important things you will ever do in your life is that when you fall down, get back up. One of the most important lessons you will ever teach your children is when they fall down, teach them how to get back up again. The pathway to success in life is a road that's marked with some failures along the way. Have you had some failures in your life? Understand that in the midst of those failures, there's also a way to get back up again. You don't succeed. No one succeeds at everything in life. Nobody. 
and neither will your child succeed at everything in life. They're not going to win every game they play. They're not going to get every award in their school or in their academic environment. They're not going to come in first in every competition. Sometimes they're going to lose. Sometimes they're going to fail, and they have to learn how to handle failure, and they have to learn how to handle it well. That's what it means to be resilient. Resilient is not staying on top all the time. Resilience is knowing when I've hit the bottom. I know that from the bottom I can come back again to the top. Teach your children the power of getting up when they fall down. And the third and final point for today is this. Do you want to have grit, perseverance, focus on the, read it with me, the prize more than the price. Two key words here, the prize and the price. Where should our focus be? On the prize. Where do we tend to focus? On the price, okay? But we have to shift our thinking. I'm going to prove this to you scripturally from the example, the greatest example of all. The greatest example that we can look at when it comes to this theme, as well as so many themes of what we're talking about in this series, is to look at Jesus himself. Jesus personifies resilience in all that he does. He personifies perseverance. He personifies grit. And perhaps no better place do we see it than in his, his crucifixion and his death. And the Apostle Paul outlines for us this prize-price dynamic in Philippians chapter 2 as he points us toward and magnifies Jesus before our eyes in this very important section of Scripture. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. Here's the key for today day that we're looking at. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Stop there with me for a moment. Well, actually, let me add this. Even death on a cross. Many people think that Jesus was murdered. He was, he was killed, that he had no choice in the matter. That's not true at all. Jesus laid down his life for you and me. Jesus could have easily walked away. How do we know this? Because the night before he's crucified, you find him in the garden. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. There in that moment, Jesus was submitting himself to the will of his Father because he realized that for you and me to have eternal salvation, to be washed in his blood, to have our names written in the book of life, he would need to go to the cross of Calvary and take on upon himself the sins of all the world where the Father poured out the wrath, the very wrath of God against sin upon humanity. And Jesus said, I will do that. I will take that place. Yes, I could escape from it, but because I'm going to be obedient, I will lay down my life on that cross for the salvation of those that I love. And he made the choice to pay the price. To pay the price. It was a price. They didn't take Jesus' life from him. He gave his life for us. And notice here's the prize. This was the price. 
But here is the prize. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Father said, Jesus, you paid the price, now you get the prize. Your name is the only name by which people will be saved. There is no other name given under heaven by which salvation can come. Your name is the name above every name, and your name is the name that is declared king and lord and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are lord to the glory of god the father see what i want you to see and i'm going somewhere with this this is the example of jesus but i'm talking to you about the price and the prize the prize and the price you can't have the prize without the price Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shields of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.